first scripture I'm going to read today is Acts 2, verse 1 through 4, and 14 through 21. Now, it was kind of interesting that Craig called and asked me to preach because, um, just for fun, this probably doesn't sound like fun for most people, but I'm not most people, but I decided to just start reading Acts because I really like the way Luke talks about Easter um, in, in the Gospels. So I, you know, Luke wrote Acts, and he was a doctor who traveled with um, the Apostle Paul. And um, I'm an archaeologist, so I have a little bit of a scientific brain. And Luke sort of details things in that sort of manner. So I kind of like the way he wrote. So I started reading Acts, and it was perfect for this sermon because most of Acts is really about receiving the Holy Spirit from the, uh, to the 12 apostles and then really disseminating that information and helping re-gift that Holy Spirit out to others to form the Christian church that we now know it. <clears throat> so Acts 2, verse 1 through 4, and 14 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they, the twelve apostles, were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Later, Peter addresses the crowd that heard this, and he says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And listen to what I say. Indeed, there are, these are not drunk, as you suppose. For it is only nine o'clock in the morning. Well, you know. <clears throat> Anyhow, there's been some people, I know. But anyway. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now later, Paul is transformed. Paul persecutes the Christians. These Christians that have received this Holy Spirit. And Paul is transformed by God with a great bright light that comes down, and it's so bright, 
it makes him blind for three days. And he hears a voice, God's voice, Jesus Christ's voice talking to him. And then he, after these three days, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to preach about Jesus. And he does many great, wonderful acts. He, he does just like Jesus did, and so does Peter and many of the apostles. They go through and they heal people and they do all these things all through the Holy Spirit. Well, bright lights, fire from heaven, great rushing winds, healing people, speaking in tongues, other languages, and people being able to understand you. Uh, at one point, a viper bites Paul, and it doesn't kill him, and everyone thinks that, you know, that how amazing that is. These are all signs of the Holy Spirit. Well, how many people have seen a bright burning bush or gotten their Holy Spirit through fire from heaven or speaking in tongues or prophesying a bunch to other people or laying hands on people and healing them. Some people have definitely experienced that. I know many healers, but not me. I haven't heard any of those things. So today I want to talk a little bit about the quiet acts of the Spirit something that I relate to a little bit more. And the people that wrote the Bible are no different than most of us. We like the stuff that gets in the Bible, the stuff that gets in the paper, then the news, the stuff that gets out there that are the big, bright, shining lights, the big rush of wind, the lights and sirens in the fire. That's the stuff that gets talked about the most. So the Peters of the world and the Pauls, the Martin Luther King Juniors, the uh, John F. Kennedys, all these bright, shining lights, these powerful personalities that have deeply been touched, clearly by the Holy Spirit. But I want to talk a little bit about all these other people that listened to the Holy Spirit that made that happen, made those things happen. So in Acts 16, 13 through 15, it's not in here very much, of course. But let's see, I missed my place. On the Sabbath, we, being Luke and uh, Paul and uh, a bunch of the other uh, disciples, went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down, and we began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of uh, Thyatria, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and, and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. 
If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. That's it. That's all Lydia gets. But Lydia goes on to later, with selling her purple cloth, goes on to fund a good portion of the Christian church at that time. That simple act of Lydia listening to God and providing a place, listening to the Holy Spirit and providing a place for Luke and Paul and the rest of the followers, just a place to stay, some finances to keep that church going, to keep them on their way. That, too, is the Holy Spirit. Many were called on God to provide housing and food for Peter and Paul, and many of others of what was called the way at the time uh, helped uh, Paul when he arrives in Rome to be tried by Caesar. Many of these Christian followers hear that Paul is arriving, knows that he has been imprisoned, and they come and they arrive first to prepare an area for him, a place for him to stay and to give him comfort. So in Acts 28, 14 through 15, there we would find, this is again Luke writing this, there we would find some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as from Forium and Appius and there from three taverns to meet us. And at the sight of these men, Paul, this man filled with all this Holy Spirit, all this healing power and fire and light, he thanked God and was encouraged. And when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. It was just very subtle things. This happened all throughout the Bible. The, just these few people that listen to that Holy Spirit and they provide somebody else that maybe gets more attention or whatever, and rightfully so, super filled with the Holy Spirit, super big personalities that are really helping to spread the news and the word and all this stuff. But Paul needed that group of people. He needed them. He gave them, those, that group of people gave extra reinforcement or renewal to Paul to continue on that message. Just that small act. Those small little things are so important. So I am not, I say, I probably listen to the Holy Spirit. Maybe 50% of the time I actually follow through. I hope it's that much. <laughs> I really do. Because how many times do I get this extraordinary feeling? this gut feeling. I need to listen to that person. I need to, 
I need to go over and talk to them. I need to help that man on the side of the street. I just, you feel this urge, this need above and beyond your normal thoughts. And oftentimes for me, it's repetitive, right? It just keeps coming around. And I think over my lifetime, many times I have listened to that. And every single one of those times I have listened to that extra urge, that voice in my head, uh, somewhat like what Craig had talked about, you know, um, that voice in your head that just says you're loved or whatever. Those reinforcing things, that, I believe, is definitely the Holy Spirit. And every time I listen to that, it was an amazing experience. Even if it's a small amazing, it was powerful. It was important. It was meaningful, not just to the person that I helped or whatever, but to me as well. It was that little renewal that Paul needed, that little renewal that I needed. And that is what the Holy Spirit does, is there to renew us, to give us fire again, to give us life again, to be that extension of Jesus Christ and God in the world. We all need that. Other people need that from us. And we need that to give that to others. One of these such times was recently um, a friend of ours, Steve Davis, lost his wife, Wendy Davis. And it's just been on my mind a lot. But with Michelle's illness um, being pretty bad right now, and um, I've just been working so much, and I trying to keep up with all the outdoor things at our home and work and maintaining all the equipment and doing all the books and maintaining having an employee and, and trying to prepare my dad's 90th surprise birthday party and trying to somehow clean the house, which is impossible. And all these things over all that noise in my head, I keep hearing this how is Steve doing? I, I don't hear it in my head. I hear it in my heart. That's the Holy Spirit. I hear it right here. I feel it in my gut. That's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is telling me, how, asking me, how is Steve doing? And I kept hearing this. And every day, I think, I'm going somewhat near Steve's house, coming home from a job, I am exhausted. I know I should go, Steve, I just hear that voice again. I need to go see Steve, but I don't listen. I'm so tired. I'm really tired, Lord. I need to just go home and rest. I have to do something, just even for a minute, to take care of myself. So I go home. Another few days go by. How is Steve? Should I go see Steve today? You know, Michelle's not feeling very well, and she really needs extra help, and it just sucked that time away. 
And I'm desperately wanting to cling on to every second I can with Michelle because she's my wife. I want to spend as much time as I can with her because I don't want it to go away. So there goes another one. And another one. And another one. And here we come a couple months away. And I hear that voice. That heartstring pulling. How Steve? And one night, I've worked myself to the bone. I've taken care of Michelle. I have somehow come up with extra energy to mow my own lawn, weed eat my own stuff, water all the plants that we decided to plant because we both wanted some plants for some stupid reason because they're pretty and it makes me happy, but good Lord, it's a lot of extra work that I did not need. And it's almost dark. And I sit down to rest and I say, I really should walk the dogs. I'm too exhausted to put them on a leash and deal with, I'm unable to mentally process walking the dogs on a leash. That's pathetic, but that's how tired I was. <laughs> so I also needed something for myself, you know, just a little cool down, a little relax from the day. So I take them up to the cemetery. It's May the 30th. They've got it tidied up, something beautiful. It's the most beautiful I've seen it in years. And we start walking around, and I think, oh, how wonderful. I have the whole cemetery to myself. I love cemeteries. Ever since I was a little kid, I like hanging out in them. I don't know, I guess because they don't talk back or something, but I love, as an archaeologist, I love the... the uh, tombstones and the different styles and the ages and it makes me so sad when I see the little babies and I don't know they're just just so deeply moving to be in one and they're so peaceful and beautiful and so that was going to be my little bit of self-time while taking care of the dogs at the same time right got to do it all so I'm out there having a great time just feeling some of that stress relieving, and all of a sudden I see, and you know I'm blind as a bat, most of you know I'm blind as a bat, so I cannot see if, even when you're standing all the way in the back, like I can't even see Craig's facial features very well with my glasses on. That's pretty sad. But anyhow, so in the cemetery, across the way, it's getting dark, I see this tall figure. And I'm like, immediately, my demeanor changes. I'm like, there's somebody in my quiet space. <laughs> and now I'm probably going to have, they probably have a dog, and I'm going to have to leash my dog, because Chewie's not great with other dogs. Although yesterday, he was amazing. But um, we're out there, and immediately, I start to get a little stressed. And Chewie and Scotty are way ahead, having a grand old time. They're not stressed at all. And I see this, I start looking at the figure, and at first I'm really worried. And he, he quickly kind of goes over to a tombstone, 
looks at it, and I can tell it's a he, and then he goes over to another tombstone and he looks at that. But I, I realize, oh, I think somebody's visiting all these people before Memorial Day and they just want a quiet private time, right? So maybe I should collect my dogs and just keep them, you know, over on this side and then I'll just follow them kind of around but not in, you know, not get in that person's way. And as I'm watching this man, I realize I recognize that the shape of his back. I recognize that walk. And I can't see him at all. And it is now almost completely dark. But all of a sudden it dawns on me, that's Steve. And I finish my, he leaves, departs from the cemetery. And I don't need to hear that voice anymore. I know that the Holy Spirit put Steve there because I just couldn't take care of that myself. And so I finish my walk, I collect up the dogs, and I know Steve doesn't live that far from the cemetery, and I know that he's walking home. And so instead of turning right to go home, I turn left. And I go up the road, and now I have to have my lights on because you can't see, and I pull off to the side, and as soon as I put my window down, he almost starts to cry when he sees me. I start to cry when I see him, and I get out of my car, and I can feel. I don't just see. I can feel he needs a hug. And we embrace, and I know that this wasn't the Holy Spirit for me talking just to me, but it was talking to him too. He had been thinking about us because Michelle had known them since she was in high school. And we both know what it's like to take care of someone for a long time. He had taken care of his wife for years. And we know what we're facing, what we're up against. And we embraced, and, and just that embrace, no words were needed. The Holy Spirit took care of the rest. And we cried a little. We talked openly and freely and deeply. And it was only 15, maybe 20 minutes on the side of the road. I kept having to move because of traffic. <laughs> but we did it anyway, and it had gotten dark, and he was okay with just walking home in the dark. And the next day, he calls, and he brings over some flowers out of... He couldn't bring himself to even do the gardening, he didn't think, because that's what Wendy always did. But he decided, well, just this year I will. And because he did, he had these fresh flowers to bring to the house, and he called me and asked if that was okay, and I said, yeah, I think Michelle's up right now. I think she'll be okay. And he brought her those flowers, 
He came into the house and they visited for a nice long time and it lifted them both up. And it's not, and it wasn't big bright lights, flashing sirens. It was a repetitive, quiet heart tug that said, no, you need to do this. You need each other. I don't know if that's going to happen again. But just in that moment. So I think the important thing about Pentecost, I think the important thing about the Holy Spirit isn't whether we get it in a flash of light. It's not whether we get it in a quiet, subtle voice or a flaming bush like Moses or whether we get it and we can speak tongues and prophecy to the next generation or whether we can heal someone or not. It's what we do with it. It's that we listen to it that matters. The Holy Spirit doesn't do any good just sitting inside me. Just sitting there, getting stale, old and rotten. The Holy Spirit doesn't do anyone else any good. Just sitting there. It means absolutely nothing. Jesus is just a man, and God is just a figurehead in some sort of fictional space in heaven without us doing something. Now, that's not true. Jesus is Jesus and God is God. But we must do something with that spirit. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying, Amy? Let's go for 57%. (laughs) What happens if it goes up to 60? How amazing can one life be transformed even if only in a moment, because I listened to that heart tug. What if Paul got blinded and never did a darn thing, just kept persecuting Christians? What if Martin Luther King just stood still and didn't preach? What if people just didn't hold hands and form a barrier and kept fighting wars? What if we didn't listen to that silent little voice, that quiet little voice that says, go home and take care of your mom and dad. Go back for Sue's Sue's memorial. Be with your family. What if you didn't listen to, hey, how about I set up the help out and I'll set up the, just set up the tables and chairs for that. You don't have to be doing big, bright, flashy things. What if I didn't listen? And Craig said, I need some help with this sermon. I need some help with a little blessing. Would the world ended? Probably not. But I know that I was meant to preach this sermon because of my own self. 
not because of you, but maybe because of you too. Maybe someone needed to hear it. But I know I did. I'm not good at preaching because of me. I'm good at preaching because of the Holy Spirit. You're probably not fantastic at what you do in life because of just you. But your delivery matters. You falling through with that matters. You being you in that Holy Spirit matters. You are needed. I am needed to carry this through because I don't speak what I say. How I say the Holy Spirit might not mean anything to Roe. But if he hears Anna say it, the same thing, it might really mean something. Morgan might have felt somebody really touch her life. Maybe it was Sue. And maybe all kinds of other people around her were trying to touch her in the same way. But she couldn't hear it but through one that person. You matter. You listening to that Holy Spirit matters. You following through with that matters. If only for one person, for one moment, for one thing in time. There are few people in this world that are preaching to the multitudes, that are connecting and changing the lives of thousands of people at a time, hundreds of people at a time, millions of people at a time. Those people are important, but so are we. Acts 28, well, I can't read my handwriting, so it's 28, 24 through 31, or 14 through 31. We'll find out. I got my glasses all messed up, so I can't see very well. Excuse me. Well, darn it. Now you're going to get the school marm thing, John. I got to put my glasses down a little. (laughs) I told you I'd look at you like that point. He called me a school marm with my outfit. (laughs) I'm not even 50 yet, John. So this is, um, Paul is talking to a crowd of people um, in, in Rome when he first gets to Rome. And he starts preaching. And he goes on to, and Luke goes on to say, Some were convinced by what Paul said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers, Paul said, when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people. That means the Jews, and say, you will ever be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. 
for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, Paul says, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there and in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who came to see him boldly and without hindrance. He preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. So my final prayer is let us not be like those early Jews that heard over and over that heart tug, that heard, saw miracles over and over and just couldn't see, just refused to hear. Let their hearts callous over. Let us not be that, those people. Let us instead be a vessel for that love and that compassion and that healing and that spirit of change to happen through us. Amen.
Indians can stay 